When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford, feeds it right side to Foley with a shot. Save, rebound, score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings. And royalty reigns again in the NHL. Hey, what's up, Kings fans, and welcome to the Hockey Royalty Podcast, the unofficial podcast of RinkRoyalty.com. I'm Scott Kinville, and before we get going, as usual, we want to let you know you can find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Rink Royalty and also at Royalty underscore pod, and you can find us on Facebook at the Hockey Royalty Podcast. We have got a great show lined up for you tonight. We are got a guest here that was uh, a part of one of the biggest moments of LA Kings history. But before we get to our guests, I want to bring in our all-star panel for tonight. As usual, riding shotgun with me. We got the Thunder and Lightning team. First of all, I'm going to bring in the straw that stirs the drink, our fearless leader, Mr. Ryan Sykes. What's going on, Ryan? Hey, Scott. Doing well. Excited for tonight. Absolutely. Me too. Can you tell? Yeah. <laughs> You're yelling into the mic. I know, right? I'm not ready to go, man. <laughs> and also, I want to bring in the Thunder, the man who's out there in that warm California sun making everything all kinds of fun, the one, the only, Mr. Russell Morgan. What's happening, Russ? What's going on, guys? This would be a fun pod. I'm excited for this one. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I can barely contain myself, so I, I better keep talking before I explode all over the place here. <laughs> and also joining us tonight, another one of our Rink Royalty colleagues, joining us from the Great White North, the beautiful city of Toronto, Ontario, I believe, correct? Yes, that is correct. Mr. Ryan Colley. How you doing, Ryan? Uh, I'm very good. Thank you. Um, yes, I'm very excited to have, have Colin Fraser on. And uh, uh, I, know, I know it's only May, uh, but... Uh, 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 but uh, but my Red Sox were on top of the AL. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. I, I see that. I see that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And yeah. don't forget, M- Manny, our producer, is a Yankee fan too, so he can mute you at any time. That's what? <laughs> Scott, you <laughs> the host. let me know. <laughs> so, anyways, notwithstanding all this Boston Red Sox talk, because we are an LA Kings podcast, you know. So, <laughs> anyway, I'm going to bring in the man of the hour. I want to bring in our guest. Like I said, he was what a part of one of the biggest moments of LA Kings history, if not the biggest moment. I want to bring in Mr. Colin Frazier. Colin, how you doing? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you for coming Absolutely. on. We really appreciate it. 
So, Colin, just want to jump right in. Well, oh, by the way, you're one of the biggest moments of Blackhawks history, too. I see your sweater on. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> He's wearing a Blackhawks. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So, drafted drafted in the third round by the Flyers in 2007. Just kind of walk us through what the draft process was like for you. What kind of interest the Flyers showed in you? Any other teams that showed interest in you? Yeah, yeah. So, um Going back, 18-year-old season, big season. Um, uh, you kind of just play, right? And then as the season goes, you're getting interviewed by teams. And there wasn't all the social media platforms, et cetera, back in the day. So I couldn't follow along with the 700 lists that people put out now. So uh, I didn't really know where I was going to fall. Um, so I, I I went to the draft. It was in Nashville, Tennessee, um I, I figured somewhere in the mid second round is kind of where I had myself slated based on really nothing other than that's just what I thought or where I thought I should go and um I start getting into so so that back then the, they did the first three rounds on the first day so it was like a long day so you sit there for the whole first round um and then you're into the second round and uh I had to pee like so bad but i didn't want to leave my seat this is like 100 percent true <laughs> <laughs> nothing happened but like if they call my name and i'm like i'm the guy in the back <laughs> it's gonna be really weird because the first round not that i was going in the first round but you're always like open so you can't leave your seat and then you get in the seat, can't leave your seat my name hadn't been called yet and i was um uh first pick in the third round so 69th overall to uh, Philadelphia. And oddly enough, um, uh, I never even interviewed with Philly. I never even spoke a word to them. Um, I, I don't know why to this day, but my theory is that I didn't think I was going to be around that late. And, um, and Philly didn't have a second round pick that year. They had two first, no seconds, and then the third. So I figured my theory is that they thought I'd be gone by the third round um don't know if that's true or not but that's my own personal theory and oddly enough i had a good buddy that played on red year with me mossy mario Mackey's his name and and boston's picking uh 66 then i had a couple interviews with boston and and boston announces uh from the red deer rebels and i was half out of my seat and they picked mossy mario Mackey, and i had to sit back down because it wasn't me but i went three picks later <laughs> too. i think so, you jumped out of your seat because you had to pee right well, both, both. <laughs> do the whole table thing and you meet everybody. And that was the first thing I did. I'm like, I really got to go to the bathroom here. So. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I realized, I realized I said uh, 2007 and then 2003, I jumped uh, a couple bullet points ahead. So I apologize for that. 2003. I'm a little bit older. Yeah. Than <laughs> <laughs> so, so you weren't running your name through Tankathon to see where uh, you would land. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no. I, I, I cell phone. I know that back then. So yeah. Um, you know what, after the draft, you go, whoever the sponsor, maybe AT&T and they had like a table of cell phones and you could like call your family and friends from this table of cell phones. Cause really none of us had, uh, cell phones back in that day. They're kind of, they're around, but I mean, I didn't have one. So yeah, that's the story. Then jumping ahead, uh, 2004, uh, February, 2004, you get traded to the Blackhawks, I guess. What was that like to kind of get traded so soon into your career? You know, it didn't really matter. I had gone to one camp with Philly, um, summer camp that year, and then uh, rookie camp or whatever in September. And so I didn't really have any ties there, but we were riding the bus, uh, Red Deer. I think we were going to Saskatoon. And uh, Brent Sutter had a cell phone, this big Zach Morris type, like <laughs> really big guys, really, really hilarious. Like you couldn't even store numbers in this thing, you know? And uh, he called me up to the front of the bus because Paul Holmgren had, had uh, called him and Philly had traded me to Chicago um, for uh, me and Jim Vandermeer for Alexi Jamnoff uh, and a draft pick of, of some sort. And, uh, Alexi Jamnoff, it was like at the trade deadline for the NHL and, uh, Alexi Jamnoff played, uh, the rest of that year with Philly and then never played, uh, with the Flyers ever again. And, uh, Jim Vandermeer went on to play, I don't know, 400, 500 NHL games. <laughs> I played, uh, 350 or whatever it was. So, um, I don't know if Philly wants to do over on that one cause they didn't win the cup. <laughs> so, um, and then oddly enough, I get to the hotel, no cell phones. 
I had to wait in my hotel room and uh, Dale Talon, like I had to wait, literally wait for the phone to ring. And uh, Dale Talon called the hotel and called my room just to welcome me to the team and stuff like that. So that's how <laughs> I'm not that old, but that's how old we're going back. <laughs> you didn't have to pee then though, did you? Pardon me? You didn't have to pee then though, right? You no, 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 I was good. Right. I was good. Yeah, no, I, I was, all my nerves were out. I was, I was, I was good to go by then. <laughs> Just kidding. So now, uh, now we've arrived at the 2007 I mentioned earlier. You make your NHL debut for the Blackhawks, I guess. Um, when did you kind of find out you were going to be in the lineup that night? And then also stemming off that, like what kind of emotions were running through your head leading up to the moment that you stepped on the ice? Um, so there was a day before I was, uh, I was in Norfolk, playing with the Norfolk Admirals, and uh, Al McIsaac, who was the GM in Norfolk at the time, um, called me with the good news. Um, so I flew to Chicago that day. We played the next uh, the next day, uh, so pregame skate in the morning. Um, played um, played uh, Phoenix. Um, how'd I feel? Really nervous, obviously, but like I'm not a guy that gets like too wound up. I'm pretty like even keel kind of guy. So it was just like, um, you know, all those, I guess telling yourself to play your game and play the way, you know, or whatever. And I only played, I don't even remember five minutes. Like I didn't really play all that much anyway, but I, um, Jeremy Roenick was on Phoenix. So I, it was like my, like, welcome to the NHL moment where it was like, my eyes were this big, you know, <laughs> Jeremy Roenick. So, um, so that was the first game. It wasn't, I don't have like a cool story, you know, like this big aha, like crazy story for my, for my first game. But, um, but I certainly remember it. That's for sure. Oh, I mean, you're certainly part of a, a team that was up and coming, especially taking Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane. And you're part of that um, Blackhawks team that started the dynasty. You know, at what kind of point did you start to realize that maybe this team was something special? You know, when we, my, my, my third year in the minors were in Rockford, I was still in Rockford, but um, the team was starting to trend. So it was like the back half of the year, uh, they started making a push for the playoffs and, and uh, the arena was starting to sell out really at 20,000 people and they're going crazy and they ended up missing the playoffs, but, but they made a really good push and you could see it was starting to come And the next, the rest is history really was sold out uh, and has been ever since. Um, if I go back to my first couple of years at camp, they would give us a stack of tickets for the exhibition games. And we were to like walk around the mall and give them away to whoever we wanted back in <laughs> 2005, 2006. So from that to 2007, 2008, we're starting to sell out, uh, sell out the rink every day. Um, all these, young, you know, Bufflin and Ladd and, Keith and Seabrook and uh, Boland and Brower and all these guys that we all played in the minors, Jalmerson, Crawford. And then they all just shuffled over to Chicago. And it was like, um, I don't know, a bunch of young, dumb kids really just <laughs> having a lot of fun uh, in the NHL. And, you know, I mean, it's well documented. I've said it many times on the podcast, but I, I live in the Chicago area, so I watch a lot of the Blackhawks games. Um, I mean, one game that stands out for me during that uh, the cup run season, the first one was um, when the Blackhawks were down 5 nothing to the Flames. They came all the way back with, I think, Seabrook scored in overtime. Um, I think that's kind of when I kind of like take a step back and you're like, oh, wow, this team's actually really good. It was like early in the year, early in the season too. Yeah, in October, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I remember that well too. And uh, I don't know. We kind of had this like group of guys that were like, we're again, we're so young and like maybe even a little naive. I don't know. And we just kind of, we just played. We just played. And and um, Q was like so. He's such a good coach that he just like let us run too. Like he's. He had structure, but he wasn't like pulling the reins back on guys. So guys could just play. And um, it just started like snowballing, right? Like starting to, I guess, trend and confidence and whatever else you want to call it. It was like, uh, I don't know, I guess we wouldn't be denied. It was like, just rolled it right on through. Nothing phased us. You know, you're down five, nothing, you you score, you know, you win. Like uh, we're a strong-willed team. Yeah, and uh, Ryan C. just typed it, but I was going to 
I was going to mention it as well, but look at what he's done for um, Florida, you know, in just a short amount of time. He's, he's really good. You know, like he's um, people always ask, like I've been fortunate. I've been fortunate to play for some really, really good coaches. Um, uh, Daryl Sutter's great. Um, Q is great. I had a guy by the name of Mike Haviland in the, in the minors who was fantastic. Um, who was the assistant in Chicago when we won. And uh, Q just had like such a good feel for the game. So, so it was, it was obviously first line, second line, third line, fourth line, but me as a fourth liner, if, if you're having a game and your lines having a game, he just lets you run. So you might play 14 minutes. And if you're not having a game, then you don't play and you play six minutes and he doesn't say anything to you either way. He doesn't yell at you when you're not good. He doesn't really say, Oh, great job. When you are good. It's just like, you just know, you know, when a coach likes you based on how you're playing, uh, how many minutes you play, sorry, he controls it all. So um, that's what I, as a fourth liner really liked about Q. Cause it wasn't like this, like, Oh, you're a fourth liner. You're slotted for eight to 10 minutes. And that's all you get, whether you're having the game of your life or the worst game you've ever played in your life. So um, gives you a lot of confidence as a player to to be able to to play at your best. And then going to Game Six of the 2010 Cup Finals, obviously the the ending was very anticlimactic. Um, but just kind of walk us through, you know, Kane scores. <laughs> what's going on from the bench? Uh, he's running towards uh, Niemi at the other end. You know, what are you guys thinking? Crazy, crazy, crazy. So I was, uh, I didn't even play that game. Me, Adam Burrish, Brian Bickle were um, uh, not dressed. And so we're, if you've been to Philly, it's like um, the locker rooms, like the visitor locker room. But then there's like this little, like, um, I don't know, closet of sorts that they'd make into a massage room. So uh, we were up a goal late in the third and Philly ties it with maybe six or seven minutes left uh, in the third. And we'd already started getting our gear on. So then we're doing the, oh, crap, what are we going to do? <laughs> so we didn't want the guys to see us, but the game's going into overtime. We didn't want to take our gear off. So we went and hid in this uh, closet, for lack of a better term. And we just waited in there for the whole intermission. And we come back out, and the guys go out for, for overtime. And we're watching on this, like, little TV in the visitor's room. And then we, we didn't know if it was in or not. Kaner scores, same thing. We run to the bench and we like stop at the, at the gate because we're, we're doing the like, well, like, I don't want to do the walk of shame off the ice if it's <laughs> goal. So we didn't really know what to do. So, so finally, Burkat's like, screw it. And we just went out there and joined the, joined the pile. And uh, uh, thank gosh it went in because I don't know what it would have been like to have to do the walk of shame all the way. Back. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it almost would have felt like jinxed. Oh, and then like scores. <clears throat> oh my gosh! But we didn't have to worry about it. So, um, and you know what? Kaner knew it was in. Uh, I think Soupy, Brian Campbell. There's a couple guys knew it was in, but like anyone on the bench, like no one knew yeah. that it was in. So that why that's why it was so like awkward and weird but Kaner knew it was in the whole way so yeah yeah i think uh if you watch patrick sharp too he he knew it too you're right sharp knew they just knew so that was weird (laughs) russell you can go ahead all right colin so yeah after that you get um traded so the next time you get traded over to edmonton and you get moved over to la um, you, when you come over to LA, you, uh, I think believe it was the 11-12 season, the Cup season. Uh, when did you realize that you were coming over to like a pretty, pretty like well-built team, pretty young team as well? When did you realize that team was kind of ready to take the next step? Well, I mean, having played against them, we knew they were good, right? And uh, uh, they, they, they lost to San Jose in the first round, maybe as the year prior, and then. Uh, like same thing, bottom feeder team now starting to trend up, and um, I was in Edmonton, and then to go to LA and to, to back up a little bit. When I traded to LA, I had a broken foot. I don't know if you guys remember this. Before, yeah, I, I do. Yeah, but I do. I'll I'll tell the long saga story because I love telling this story. I had a broken foot, and I get traded, and Ron Hextall calls me. I'm at Andrew Ladd's stag party in. Uh, in uh, Penticton, BC, and uh, he said, "Hey, we just traded for you. How's your ankle?" I said, "How's my ankle? My ankle's fine. My foot's broken." 
it was your foot smoke, and they told us it was your ankle. I said, don't tell me, it was my foot. He goes, hey, we need you on a plane right now. You need to come down here today. I'm like, I don't have a passport. I can't come down here today. I'm out in 10 pictures. So I had to fly back to uh, Redmond that day, pack up, grab my passport, fly down to LA the next day. I go straight to um, uh, to get a CT scan. Uh, the doctor uh, who I've never met, um, but I meet him for the first time after reaching the CT scan. He says, You got a stick, you got a broken foot, you need surgery, and you're not allowed to play. And I'm like, Holy crap. I didn't even know what was going on because I broke my foot um, in March with uh, with the Oilers. It's now July, so April, May, June, July. It's been four months, and now this guy's telling me I need surgery. So um, then we got into this whole like we're going to reverse the trade and and uh, they're going to buy Fraser out. And there's all these rumors, and I didn't even know if I was coming or going. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what was going on. I got surgery uh, the next week, so I went home, come back, get surgery, and uh, the trade obviously broke through. When I came to camp, first day of camp was the first uh, day I was cleared to even skate. So I'd gone since March to September, never uh, doing a squat, not skating because I couldn't, and LA had 14 forwards uh, already under contract. So I didn't know what, I was like, I'm going to Manchester here. I don't know what's going to happen. Is just the numbers aren't lining up. I haven't played. I don't know what's going to happen. And um, I was bag skated every single day from the first day of camp right on through till mid-November. And I was like, it was awful, guys. I'm telling you, it was the worst time of my life. Because you couldn't play. Like, you couldn't play games. And you're just getting bagged uh, by Jamie Compton, uh, who is uh, he's in good shape himself. But he do the sleep business sometimes. But uh, um, I go up to Dean's office about early November. He said, hey, Dean, I'm ready to play. I'm healthy. Whether it's here, whether it's Manchester, I don't care. I just want to play. And he says, give me one week. Give me one week. I said, okay. The next game, uh, Scott Pars. You guys remember Scott? Yeah, Scott Pars. Oh, yeah. So he uh, hurt, blows his hip out. I don't think he played again after this. Um I mean, he tried to make a comeback, but he blew his hip out. Had they have season ending surgery, I played the next night and I never missed a game uh, the rest of the season. Nice. So I like feel really proud to tell the story to anyone that listened to me because I was like this damaged goods player from the Oilers who were in 30th place and I could not play on their team, literally, like I was a healthy scratch. To I don't know, 10 months later, or 12 months later, and we're lifting this on the top. So that's my my fame story, for lack of a better term. Nice, nice. And one quick thing, Colin. I think your mic is a little muffled. So I, I don't know. No, if you're... Sorry, I might have. No, you're good. Out. Sounds good now. Um, but yeah, so if we like, I, like I mentioned, you you kind of joined this young, rambunctious Kings team, and um, Andre Kopitar obviously kind of cemented himself, and Dustin was the captain at the time, and uh, Drew Doughty was kind of making a name for himself. Uh, kind of making your way through that cup run. Um, when did you kind of midway through the season kind of realize that, okay, this team had kind of the the chance to kind of take it all the way? It's kind of a, I don't know if there's a moment. I mean, because they, they fire Terry who Terry was great. Cause Terry, Terry gave me a chance to play back in November. Like, um, I was a fan of his and, but I was new, like I didn't know anything really any different. And the team was struggling. As you know, we were out of the playoffs in the playoffs, out of the playoffs. Um, and Daryl took over um, in December and, and from the trade deadline on, we just got hot. Like we didn't win every game, but we were in every game and we were getting points or OT losses or whatever the case may be, but we were starting to trend upwards and um, we hit the playoffs like going on our way up really and then you win game one in vancouver and you just really start believing and uh um i think we lost game 82 that year and that's what made us draw vancouver and it like didn't phase us it was like we were just ready for the challenge i guess and um man i don't know the rest is history a little bit of luck a little bit of uh everything kind of going your way um it was just jonathan quick in that 
Jonathan, I mean, Quickie. So people ask, like, who's the best goalie? And, and like, Quickie, I mean, he doesn't win Vezinas every year and whatever. You look at the numbers. But, like, when the game is on the line, this guy is the best goalie. Like, if it's game seven, if it's a huge playoff game, you know that he's going to play his best game. There's It gives your team so much confidence because it's like, we know Quickie's got us back here. Let's do our part up here. Um He's just a gamer, so and he was hot that whole playoff. We don't win without him, no chance. Yeah, yeah, it's cool to hear because I mean we we talk about this all the time about Jonathan Quick being one of the best big game goalies in the NHL. So to hear from an actual teammate's perspective, or and then you played against him as well, that's that's just kind of cements that idea. Um, but then kind of getting back now into the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, Game One against the Devils, uh, you end up scoring the first goal, so kind of go through that emotion there yeah so prior to the game so when i played at the oilers um i played i scored three goals all year and two of them were on marty bruder in new jersey so it's (laughs) like before game one and i'm like boys 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 let's snap here i've been known to not only score one but two goals against marty (laughs) bruder in this building they're all sure friends hi good story (laughs) and uh and then i scored in the first period on marty bruder in that game. So uh, I like to say I have Marty Berger's uh, number, at least in, in that arena. So um, talk about like moments that you remember, like that's outside of winning the Stanley cup. That's my biggest moment. It's bigger than my first game, bigger than my first goal. Um, something that really, really stands out in, in my mind. And um, that's something I won't forget that one. I've watched that video a few times. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, that's pretty cool to say you're one of the few, I guess, who have the number against Mark Ambroder. That's right. <laughs> but, that's right. But, uh, yeah. So then, uh, have you guys won the Stanley Cup? Great moment. Great um, moment in Kings history, obviously. So then, going into the next season, you guys make it back to the Western Conference Finals against your former teammates. Kind of run through that emotion there. Yeah, Chicago. I mean, uh, I mean, they knew they just know how to win, right? And they had. But they beat us in five games that year. Like, they were just better than us. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if we weren't. It's not like we weren't good. And that was a lockout year. That was the year they started the game, like, I don't know, 28-0 or whatever they were, 32-1 and or whatever the, their streak was. And they just kind of had everything rolling for them. And, and uh, I mean, no excuse other than they were a good team. And they had Brian Bickle standing up, uh, stepping up. Sorry, that's kind of when he kind of came alive. And. Dunk and Shaw, I think, was a rookie that year. Like they were, they were a good team, and they just plain and simple just uh, just were better than us in that series. Yeah, I mean, they were they were definitely a force to be reckoned with in thirteen. There's no doubt about it. But uh, you know, I got to tell you, Colin, I I've always liked Daryl Sutter, and I know he's got this this reputation for being this this gruff kind of well, shall we say, miserable sometimes, I guess. But uh, tell me, did he finally smile when you guys won the cup? Oh yeah, he's so he's uh, his bark's bigger than his bite, guys. Let's yep. put it that way. So, uh, uh, if you so Daryl's not easy. Let's not let's get some straight here. He's like he's hard on players. Like uh, whether that's I don't know, not so much yelling at, but like uh, holding guys accountable and trying to get the best out of them. Um, it's not always fun, okay? But I think if you at the end of the day pulled all the guys um, in that room. I'm not saying they'd like every day, but it, we won Stanley Cups. So I think they would say they respect Daryl Sutter. And uh, not that they liked playing for him every single day. I, I, I wouldn't blame anyone for that. But at the same time, um, he's a smart hockey guy. And you don't always have to, I guess, agree with the tactics, but they, they worked for us. Um, um, he cares a lot and he just wants to win. So might not line up with today's world and how we approach things but i don't know if you got thick you gotta have thick skin you know like what i liked about him is everyone is treated equally so it didn't matter if you were ronzi kopitar john quick or colin fraser they're the superstars were treated the same as as the fourth line grinders and and you got to pull your weight and you got to play well or you don't play period just real quick colin uh, were there any similarities between coach q and daryl sutter um similar and different like like um q's like more of a player's coach where he's like um he's really intense but he's not so demanding and taxing on guys 
like directly. He's he's more of uh, to the group versus the individual. Um, but but both are very simple. In my opinion, you can overcoach. Okay, so you 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 in in this year in this time frame you do this, but in this time frame you do that, and then everyone kind of gets stuck in the middle. And one guy's doing this system, and the other guy's doing that system, where it's like it was black and white. That's it. This is how we forecheck. This is how we backcheck. This is how we play D zone. Whatever the and they're both very simple in that uh, different systems, but uh, same concepts in that regard and. For me, that's how you get everyone on the same page. I mean, some some sometimes it can be overcomplicated, in my opinion, um, with some coaching where it's uh, where guys are kind of not on the same page, and it's not because they don't like each other; it's because there's too much going on, too many different options or systems. Yeah, a little bit too much ability to freelance, I guess, right? Yeah, and freelancing offensively is is great, but I mean, you still need your your you got to let your skill guys be skill guys, but you still right. you need your structure within your within your game plan. You need your structure, and uh, I mean, especially with Daryl, there was no there's no gray area there. It was uh, ABC, man, go go go, done. <laughs> That's it. So, Absolutely, and go you know, hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do not go anything less than one hundred twenty percent. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so you, uh, you actually played for Brent Sutter and Red Deer. So was there any, uh, contrast or, or even or similarities between those two yeah, and Daryl to a T same guys, like, um, not same guys, different guys away from the rink, but same coaching, like, like very hard. And, uh, uh, I said it before, I don't think, uh, and I've told it to Brent himself. I still see Brent around Red Deer all the time. And, uh, I don't think I play in the NHL without Brent, um, because he, he just teaches you and same thing. You don't have to agree with all the tactics and, and uh, maybe you can be too hard and yell too much. I get it, but I personally don't have an issue with it and taught me how to be a pro and how to approach the game every single day, like a pro and how to pay attention to details and how to um, be mentally ready for the game before the game, the next game over and over and over um, being held accountable, attention to details, like all that stuff, like, it's, it's, I mean, I wasn't like the most skilled guy. I wasn't the fast guy. I wasn't the biggest guy. So I had to rely on, on my, my compete level and my energy level and my grit. And, uh, I learned a lot from Brent in that regard. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, really just to, to wrap up with Daryl, I mean, just from a personal standpoint, my family and I met him out in Buffalo in uh, 2017. And it was the day after the Kings just got absolutely blown out by the Sabres. And I'll tell you for all the bad reputation he gets, he was the nicest gentleman in the world to my family. He was really great. So he, he really you know, is. He's just he's just trying to motivate players and get the best yeah. out of them. And for some it works and maybe for some it doesn't. But um worked for me. Worked for the Kings, didn't it? I mean he won it sure. Cups. It sure did. <laughs> no doubt. So uh after twenty fourteen was over with, you uh briefly went to St. Louis and then you went over to Germany to play. So how was that? You know, playing over in Germany as opposed to uh, playing in the NHL? You know, um, first off, I loved it. Uh, I love Germany. Um, the league is an older league. It's, it's, I guess, comparable probably to the American League, but it's a bunch of old guys like myself that went over there instead of like young 20-year-olds. Um, um, I suppose I could see my career kind of going, tailing the other way, uh, or I wasn't going to be in the NHL anymore, so I wanted a new experience. And um with that said, I like it had nothing to do with Germany. It had nothing to do with anything that happened. It was like, I didn't last very long over there. I just, I didn't want to play hockey anymore. I kind of like, I just didn't have the the juice anymore and the commitment and the passion for it. Um, when you're revving the engine every year from 12 years old, all over and over and over and over. And the way I played, I, I couldn't really take a day off. It was like I was full throttle all the time um, just because I was kind of always that bubble player on the edge, out of the lineup, in the lineup, in the American League, in the NHL. And um, I just didn't have it anymore. But Germany itself is awesome. And uh, I wish I could have uh, stayed longer, but I just had to, I just couldn't, I didn't want to play anymore. So I hung them up. Hey, great beer over there too. It's true. Beer and sausage is true, and they do like it. <laughs> and stereotypes are true to a certain degree, and uh, um, 
they certainly beer is cheaper than water. It's true. And, uh, <laughs> and we found a few beers and a few sausages and we had, uh, we had some fun for sure. Excellent. Excellent. Colin, is it true in Europe that they like their uh, beer warm rather than cold? Um, I, I only drank cold beer, so I can't, I can't speak for overall, but, um, I'd say this, the fridge, so our Europe, right? So we had a small little fridge, you know, and you want to have guys over, you can't fill your fridge full of beers cause you got food in there. It's not have <laughs> room. So, and the beers are like a pint, you know, like they're not like, uh, like a little, you know, Bud Light can, it's like a real like glass, like pint. So like a picture, like a glass bottle beer, but like double the size or whatever yeah. it is so so it was always in the freezer one in one out so every so sometimes <laughs> it could be a little warm yeah for sure it could be but, yeah. <laughs> well and you know and on a serious note i mean the del the, the german pro league where it's just growing leaps and bounds it, it even, really has so. even since i've been there yeah um uh come a long way uh the good like some good young Germans are starting to come. Right. And you see at the world championships, like they're, they got some players, they really do. And um, it's a big country and they like sports. And um, oddly enough though, the town I was in Nuremberg is uh, it's a big city, but not a hockey city primarily. And there was only like uh, my kid was five at the time, but we registered for like hockey there. And there's maybe 35, maybe 40 kids under the age of eight that played in the whole city. So there's like 400,000 kids, uh, sorry, people in the city. And like of those 40, like six or seven of them were like North Americans, like myself, <laughs> who had kids registered. So the point is, there's not that many kids that play hockey. If you go up to Berlin and, um, and uh, Mannheim and different cities, it's way more. Uh, they like hockey a lot more than where I was, but the point is, it's not like Canada where he's like, it doesn't matter. Everyone's playing, you know, like somebody's bound to be good when that many people are playing. Right. Right. Definitely. So uh, once you were done with your playing career and, and now you are an amateur scout for the Chicago Blackhawks. So tell us how that came about. Yeah. I, uh, so I retired from, uh, from Germany. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I kind of, I was going to do some finance stuff and I, I don't know. I didn't, not something that I, I guess worked for me. And then, uh, I wanted to get back. Like I told you before I retired, I was like, I'm done with hockey. I don't want to play hockey anymore. And, and then, I, and then I started missing hockey. It's like, like, what do you know? And that's all I know. It's all I've known my whole life. I didn't even go to college. Like all I did was play hockey. So, um, I started making calls to, to teams that I played on. So the Kings and people I knew and the Oilers and, the Blackhawks and then the Blackhawks had this opportunity. Um, the, the guy that had my position prior took a GM position in the Western hockey league with the Edmonton oil Kings. So a spot just, ha- I got lucky is what happened and the spot opened up and then the Hawks were uh, grateful enough to give me the position um, or at least try the position to see if a, if I liked it and B if they liked me. And, uh, and I just love the job guys. It's so, it's so good. And um I didn't know what, to, I didn't, like, I didn't call the Blackhawks looking for an amateur scouting job. I, I was just like, Hey, do you have anything? Uh, I'm just looking to get back into hockey. Like that's kind of how the conversation went. And um, here I am uh, one, two, three years later. Um, and then, and then I signed a new contract to keep doing it for the next three years. So um, it's just a lot of fun and I'm, I'm really happy and excited to be part of hockey again. I understand uh, you went down to Frisco for the U18s, and I, I know you can't talk about any specific players, but just what was that experience like after this whole last year of not being able to do anything to go to a sporting event or uh, uh, be at the rink again? Guys, I'm still living in Alberta here, and we're still like rest, like can't do anything. Like no kids' sports, restaurants are closed. I like we're not like locked down, like we can't leave our house, but. Um, schools just went back today. So like we've been doing homeschooling the whole bit. So like to go down there was like a breath of fresh air. I was like, uh, um, it was freedom to go to Texas and, and go to a restaurant and, and kind of live a normal life. Um, as far as the hockey's concerned, I, you know, I really feel bad for all the kids, uh, across, not even the NHL drafts, just kids in general. Like they haven't played hockey all year in Ontario um depending on what part of the world you're from uh, and pick your sports this isn't limited to hockey and 
so for all those kids, uh, those top players, to get the opportunity to play to, together and against the best players, um, I'm sure they were excited. And then the tournament ended up being really good because uh, uh, it gets all those best players together, draft-eligible players, and um, uh, you can see them all with and against each other. And normally you'd have you know your Halinka tournament in August, and then there'd be one in November, and then one in February, and then this one in April. And it's really it's the only one because all the other ones were canceled. So um, in that regard, it was, a, it was good hockey and exciting to watch. Are you, are you going to be going to the the EREPA showcase that they have scheduled for all the OHL players? I I personally am not, but but they have uh, yes, we have guys uh, from the east side uh, scouts from the east that will be going. Um, p- part of the reason is the border, right? So you got to do a, if you cross the border and I come back to Canada, I got to do a two week quarantine, which I did after Texas, and it's not uh, it's not super exciting to sit in your house for. For two weeks, when when you have three kids too, so yeah, my wife, I got a good wife, guys. Yeah, and he told me he was going to Texas, it's like like for the under eighteen. So and that's all that that Canada won. So I decided to congratulate congratulate him on Canada winning. For some reason, I thought that he went down there part of the coaching staff, and then of course I googled the coaching staff, and Colin Fraser's name not there. So I'm like, <laughs> oh crap. And then I went to the USA one, thinking like. Oh my God! I really hope he's not on the U.S. team uh, because the U.S. finished like like sixth or seventh, and that's like I'm sorry. A long story short, I didn't ask. I assumed, and it was very embarrassing. And <laughs> that's all I wanted to share. It's all good. I, I was there for work. I was rooting for Canada though, just because I'm yeah. So mm-hmm. yes. um, I always have a little bit of pride for 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 Canada, but uh, yeah. I was there representing the Blackhawks though. So. Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, no, no, uh, and I want to l- l- let everyone know, uh, 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 since my colleagues are Americans and my wife's American, I'm wearing uh, Team USA. So. <laughs> All right. I'll let it slide this time. Yes, I'm not anti-Canadian. <laughs> but he is a Boston Red Sox fan, guys. So, <laughs> oh, Come on, Scott, 2004. <laughs> uh, so... So, Colin, now, uh, you know, we've been rapid firing these questions at you, but we also do have a couple of listener questions. Would you uh, be willing to stick around and answer a couple yep, for us? Absolutely. Yep. Happy, happy to. Uh, beautiful. All right. So, our first question is from our loyal rich listener, Richard Sarabia, who, and I tell this story every single episode, his Twitter name is Dirty Harry. Oh, perfect. I love it. All right. It is. Dirty Harry, awesome. here we go. And you know what? You're going to love this question, too. So, his question is, and he wants to know. Did you drink any alcohol out of the cup? And if you were able to drink out of it again, what would you choose? Uh, the first part of the question, absolutely yes. Uh, a thousand times over. And you know what? We were doing any anything. Name name the alcohol. We were drinking Jaeger bombs out of this thing, and uh, I don't even remember. I was so young. I don't even. Um, we drink anything out of this thing, and uh, and my kids would have. Uh, we had cereal, we had uh, chocolate milk, we had name it, uh, maybe an ice cream out of the thing. Anything you want, anything goes. Um, what would I choose? I suppose I'm a beer guy, really. I'm a, a craft beer guy. Um, I can't pick a certain kind, but I, I like a pale ale. So um, that's what I would choose to drink out today. And I'd probably sip it versus like, pounding it like i'm never gonna have one ever again <laughs> yeah i was gonna say you, you didn't remember because you were so young i was like uh it was because you were so young really <laughs> that's right that's it's your we'll story that that. Good, right? yes. <laughs> i'm just kidding but uh we got another one here from scott coleman and he wants to know when you reflect on your career as a player what do you cherish the most is it the friendships built the cups won or something else well, that's a good question. Um, I, I said one thing now that I'm scouting, I, I, uh, you know, we watch all these kids from all over the planet and, and we bring them together for a draft and we, you know, make our best educated guess. And at the end of the day, there's only 700 guys approximately that get a play uh, in the NHL. And we all can't be Connor McDavid and Anze Kopitar and Drew Doughty. Um, so, so I, I, when I was a player, I always wanted to play more. Oh, why can't I move up a line? Oh, what can I do to play more? And now that I'm an old man and I reflect back, I'm, I'm proud of, of the career that, 
that I had and and how I hung around. Um, to to narrow it down to one, geez, I don't know. I mean, I, I suppose it's the friendships and and the stories you you have along the way. I mean, uh, lots of guys you're friends with, but you lose connection with just because it's hard to keep in contact with all these guys but then when you see them again it's like nothing's ever you never missed a beat um and the the friendships and the stories and the uh i guess the the things you got to do together um would be it for me do you do you still keep in contact with any of the former uh, kings players that you won the cup with yeah, I mean, the odd time here, Matt Green's a pro scout with the Kings. So I'd say more text messages than actual phone conversations. And uh, Kyle Clifford, me and Cliffy were, were pretty tight. So when he beat someone's face in, I like to send him a message every now and then because I played with him on my wing and he was fun to play with because he's tough. He's a badass guy, man. He's awesome. So, <laughs> No, I'm sorry, Colin. I'd like to remind you, uh, 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 you're born 1985, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, uh yeah, I, I just, you were born January of 85, I was born October of 82. So, uh, no, 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 uh, uh so, so I just wanted to say, whenever you call yourself an old man, it kind of makes him feel a bit older. So, just you know. <laughs> well, I got all these grays coming in, guys. So, I got so many grays, man. Cliffy's still a young man. Cliffy's definitely not old. Let's put it that way. So that's true. He's not. Guys, when Cliffy was a rookie in the league, uh, you know, I was like, eyes are like he like looks like really like scary and mean, you know. And I was, I don't know, I'd been in the league three or four years. I was playing with Edmonton, and uh, he lined up on the wing and he asked me to go, and I just kind of looked at him. I'm like. Nah, man, I'm good. <laughs> and then when I played with him, I'm like, oh, thank God I did. <laughs> it's kind of like looking at Kane from WWE, right? I mean, oh yeah, he's scary, man. When he turns that, flips that switch. I saw with Cliffy on the airplane all the time. So he's a really nice guy until he flips the switch and watch out. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, just uh, just one last question before we uh, let you go here. Um, what were some of your favorite cities to play in on the road? Um, I really like Vancouver because I'm from there. Um, but their their arena is really nice. Like, it has a really good atmosphere. They do a really good pregame show. But uh, more so because I'm I was from uh, the suburbs of Vancouver, so it's kind of like a homecoming. Like lots of fans, family, and and friends in the seats. Um, I really like Joe Lewis in Detroit. Um, same kind of like just character, you know, like uh, like the boards weren't even like level. They're like kind of like crooked and like it was just like and the benches were really small and your, the dressing room sucked. But it was like <laughs> lots of like character in it, you know, like in uh, Detroit. We always had good games against Detroit. I mean, they're a good team. Um, I wouldn't say Detroit was the best city, but it was a cool arena to play in. Uh and there's obviously like New York, like always oh, cool to go to New York um, just because it's New York City. Chicago, the, you can't beat the atmosphere in Chicago um, at a, a Blackhawks game. I mean, that's pretty tough to, to duplicate. Um, to get excited for those games is pretty easy. Um, those, are the, those would be the top ones. I mean, I really like Nashville. Like Nashville – I was there for my draft, so like it's become this like, oh, Nashville's a really cool city, and I'm like, guys, I've known this since 2003. <laughs> I knew Nashville's cool before everybody else knew it was cool. So, um, that's a really good. I like country music, right? So, and I like beers. So you go for live music. It's that's a good one. That's as far as off ice is concerned. I mean, that's a that's a great city. That one. Nice. Do you uh, you wish Vegas was in when you were playing? Oh, that'd be nice, right? I don't know. That'd be trouble, I think. Um, <laughs> you know, Vegas is a different – it's almost too much for me now that I'm I'm an old man, okay, Ryan? Now that I'm an old man. <laughs> it's. Uh, I won't hold against you. Yeah, all right, all right. That would be – you know what, though? That would be a great place to play. I mean, you look at their fans. I don't know if you guys watch them on TV, but, like, the uh, – the show they put on and the fans, they got a good, good following there and a, a good uh, support. And uh, I think Seattle will be good too. Seattle's a great city. I grew up in Vancouver. I just going down to Seattle all the time. We'd go to Mariners and stuff. And uh, I think it'll be a great, great place um, for a hockey team. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to see what that Kraken mascot's going to look like. 
The yeah, lo- isn't awesome. the logo cool? I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, it's, the logo's awesome. It's really I love cool. the logo. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah pretty cool. I mean, it's not as cool as the Blackhawks guys, but I. No, no, it, it is not. But... <laughs> as Kings fans, we're going to have no comment on that. So. <laughs> I got love for, I told you guys before we were on here, I got love for the Kings. You know, I was a guy that was really like, I was. I was down, not down and out in life, but like down and out in, in my career. The story I told, broken foot. And I, yeah. Uh, the Kings gave me a chance, you know, like I didn't know it was going to happen. And um, Terry Murray and, and Dean Lombardi and Ron Hextall, they all kind of believed in me. And uh, uh, and the guys were really good to me. The, the, the first day I walked in there um, with the group of guys, they kind of, uh, I just fit in really well. And they, they, were, they were really, because they were kind of like this group kind of like the Hawks I was kind of the outsider you know like they were this group that had like kind of come up together and uh, I felt welcomed right away and uh and it's a big reason why these teams win um sounds cliche but like good tight new tight knit group of guys uh yeah. Chicago and LA it's true 100 percent true you want to put them together so yeah. oh uh, that's what uh, uh sorry uh uh call one more thing um, there are a lot of great hockey pictures, uh, uh, but this I have to say is, uh, if you can see it, it ah, it's one of my oh, favorites. Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah, that's an awesome picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good one. Hey, mm-hmm, so that's right? my yeah. that's my oldest. He's ten now, but um, uh, so you get the mini cup like when you win. So I got that cup that that mini cup he's holding is the the Hawks one, and then I actually reenacted it with my daughter who would have been, I don't know, she would have been two. Not even two, maybe a year and a half. So after we won in 12, after we won in 14, uh, my daughter was born in 12. So I, so there's the same picture, same doc, same everything. And then it's my daughter, my son, and and myself. Oh, so, no, that's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you do get a mini cup for winning, huh? I didn't know oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you get a mini cup. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Um, the kids, that's what the kids are like. You know, I'm running around with the big one, and the kids are running around with the little one, you know? So, <laughs> Yeah, keeps them occupied so they don't want yours, right? Oh man, we have mini stick games over this cup. Yeah, you know what I do now is I bring it to uh, like my son plays hockey, right? So when they're in a tournament, it's like the final game, and I'm like, all right, and here's the little <laughs> mini cup. Or I do, I run camps. We do like three on three games, and I bring the mini cup to like the ring for the three on three games and stupid stuff like that. So we have fun with it. Yeah. Then you just got to hope nobody takes off with it, right? So, no, well, I, I want it. It's fine. I'm out of here. <laughs> I know. I'm in a small town. I, I'll find you. So, yeah. <laughs> can't hide with that thing. Tell my name on it. <laughs> That's awesome. That um, is awesome. Yeah. Well, Colin, thanks a million for coming on. We really appreciate you spending time with us and giving us all kinds of insight to, you know, just the, the hockey world. And it's been great talking to you. No problem, guys. Yeah, thanks absolutely. for having me. Yeah, yeah. anytime. Thanks, Absolutely. Colin. Thanks, Colin. Come back anytime and, and good luck for the, the future and the rest of you know next season and beyond. So thank you very much, sir. All right. Take care, guys. All right, Colin. Take All care. Right. See ya. Take it easy. Bye. All right. That was Colin Frazier. That was awesome. Yeah. That, that was that awesome. really was. I, I love that behind the scenes stuff. You know, that stuff that yeah. you just don't hear about every day and, and you know, like NHL network or anything like that. So yeah, really those, cool. Those stories, like inside the locker room, or you know, the broken foot story. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially being at a stag party, we get a call from, from Ronnie Hextall. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hearing about the differences so, between Quenville and Sutter. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I and mean, when you think about the coaches he's played with, I mean, those are two, two of the best. Or one of the two guys that played for Daryl and one of his brothers. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Excellent. Absolutely. So guys, the, uh, the NHL playoffs are in full swing. Um, we've already had some upsets and we've already had some surprises. So let's go around the table and just get some general thoughts. Uh, Ryan Sykes, what do you think? Uh, what's the biggest surprise to you so far? Uh, I know Manny's listening, but I thought, thought Florida was going to not have to come back this much. If I'm being honest. I didn't think uh, – well, I should have. I mean, but I, I didn't think that Nikita Kucherov's impact, you know, had this much of a, you know, a, a dynamic on the on the team. He sure healed from that injury pretty fast. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> he was a rusty, that's for sure. 
There were a lot of memes and stuff when he first was placed on long-term injured reserve. You know, he's gonna the Undertaker coming out of the cats. Oh, yeah. that's um, like the main one you see all over Twitter. <laughs> it's great. It's like, so oh, okay, that's what they. I mean, but the, this off season, I don't, I don't know how they get around that, guys. Yeah. No, I have no idea. Especially they got to resign Surge Dev. I mean, that's. Uh, that's thank he, uh, I think he's got one more year, one or two more years oh, left. Yeah, he's got, yeah he's, they, they gave him a three-year oh, deal. Oh yeah, no, All you're right. fine. But they got they got a boatload of uh, restricted and unrestricted free agents. So, yeah, and a flat cap that's going to be tough to Oof. circumvent any further. So, yeah, I don't know if they'll be able to sit Kucherov or Stamkos for a full season on LTIR next yeah. year. So, we'll see what happens. Yeah, not there. with an 82 game schedule. Yeah, yeah, that might be harder. <laughs> How about you, Russ? How about some of your thoughts? Well, I mean, we just had the the biggest surprise, I guess, of the the season so far was the Jets sweeping the Oilers. I mean, I personally, I I thought the Jets were a better team that everyone made them out to be, and they're it's a team that's not built for the regular season, but they're they're a playoff team. I mean, they're pretty strong down the middle when you have Shifley and Blake Wheeler, and then you mix up and people are just calling Nikolai Ehlers one of the best wingers and. In the Northern Division, which I don't disagree with. I mean, you watch him play, and that guy just speeds around the ice, and he's got a wicked shot. And we saw it in Game Three, and then then you saw Kyle Connor produce in Game Four for the uh, Triple OT winners. Uh, the Oilers are just an enigma. I mean, we talk about Connor McDavid; he's obviously, I mean, I think the best player in the NHL. And then you put him with Leon Drysaddle; that's just a one-two punch that should be doing a lot better in the playoffs that they are. I mean, yeah, but... when, you, when you think about those two, you think about Sidney Crosby and, and Evgeny Malkin back, what, uh, almost eight years ago. So um, it's just unfortunate that they're not able to find any pieces to build around those guys. And I've always said they're they're just a top-heavy team. I mean, you look at their defense. Darnell Nurse played over 60 minutes in game yeah. four. But who else is there? I mean, they picked right. up Tyson Berry, but he's not doing anything. and. I don't know. There's just a lot of question marks in Edmonton. It'll be interesting to see if they're able to add to that roster in the offseason. It was just kind of funny over the last two games. Like every time Winnipeg would score, they would pan to Connor McDavid's face and he would just look yeah. so defeated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's almost like, what more else can I do here? Like, I need to yeah. help. I mean, but going back to game three, I mean, that big 4 1 comeback, it was funny. I was watching the game in the third period. And then they scored that second goal. The Jets scored that second goal. And I was like thinking like, oh, man, I, I just don't see it, them coming back. And then all of a sudden they scored the third one. I'm like, oh, they're going to win this game. You just saw the momentum and the Oilers just breaking down. And as a, as Kings fans, I'm sure we can all appreciate some Edmonton Oilers uh, fallouts. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, I mean, you want, you, I mean, you want to see a, a player of Connor McDavid's caliber kind of get exposed a little bit further in the NHL playoffs. So, I mean, I saw a video now, Stephen A. Smith from ESPN is now ragging on him. So, <laughs> it'll Stephen be... A. Smith, uh, yeah. you know, with hockey all of a sudden? Like... Yeah, it's, I mean, it, yeah, it, I'm sure he doesn't know that much, but, I mean, yeah, but... for the growth of the sport, it's good to, it's good to see. Yeah. yeah, and, I mean, I know we were all kind of clamoring for the Kings to make the playoffs this year, but you saw what Colorado did to the same yeah. Like, do we really want that? I think we got a big draw. <laughs> yeah, I'll take I'll take the top ten draft pick, right? Over a, <laughs> a being from that I mean, Habs team. The Blues you had know, trouble I, scoring. I'm not even sure we would have put up a goal. <laughs> I I mean personally, I I could see them sweeping Vegas the way Vegas is playing right now. I mean Vegas That's is awesome. just being carried by Mark Stone right now. So uh, if could the Avs be one of the first teams that go undefeated in the playoffs? Maybe. Um, who's They're so good. They're, yeah, so, good. They're yeah. so good. I mean, and, th- and the, the problem is, is that team's built for the future, too. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah I mean, there, I obviously the, the Yams are the front runners for the cup. There's no doubt about that. But I yeah. think the, the bottom line is, as it always is with the playoffs, it's goaltending, goaltending, goaltending. And, you know, just to, to touch back to Edmonton. Wait, Scott, what was the third I, point? Goaltender. Yeah. <laughs> hey, go can you repeat the second one? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just uh, just all ch- check all of the above. That's all. Okay. But, but I mean, going back to Edmonton, you know, I mean, and I, and I respect everything that Ken Holland has done over the years. But you would have thought that after last season, when they were bounced by the Blackhawks, 
in that the play in round, whatever you wanted to call it. Yeah, yeah. And it was primarily because their goaltending let them down. You mean to tell me you didn't go into that offseason saying, okay, this is the one place I got to improve this team, and I don't care what I got to do to do it? Yeah, and I mean, Mike Smith. Obviously, oh, I mean, Mike Smith was okay. He was all right in, you know, in streaks during the season. But do you really want to go into a legit playoff run with, I mean, what's Mike Smith? Is he 38 now? Uh, yeah, 38 year old Mike Smith. 39. Miko Kapsian just fell apart. 39. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it seems like Dave Tippett kind of has some kind of bromance relationship with Mike Smith. I mean, yeah. I mean, Mike Smith, he showed some flash throughout the regular season, but yeah, it's just, he, he can be a great goaltender, but then he just kind of thinks that he can just like kind of maneuver the puck however he wants. And he makes these kind of bad, really like eye opening mistakes. And he's not really that consistent, solid goaltender that a player or Edmonton has really hasn't had in quite some time. So. Well, 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 no, well and also from the perspective of like gang, most games, man, not most, but some uh, Kings fans, uh, uh, like word association. Yeah. You, you think of Mike Smith. What do you think of? You think of the, uh, 2012 uh, conference final when he was with Arizona. You know, you got to think about how great he was. It, it's, you know, of course we know, like, uh, you know, I mean, 2012 doesn't seem that long ago, but when you, when you really realize it, wow, 2012 was nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're yeah, coming up so to the 10 year anniversary of the Cup. The cup yeah. Win, so, yeah. Right. Time it's, it's, it's like an eternity. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so Ryan Colley, was there, is there any playoff series that you want to, Particularly caught your eye so far here, or you know, I have parts of teams that that have like like former Kings. Uh, I know I'm a bit of a homer, but like Jack Campbell with the Leafs, I'm really no. But the one team that has the most King former Kings contingent uh, is the aforementioned Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Trevor Lewis, Nate Thompson, Derek Forbert, associate coach uh, Jamie Calvin, who as soon as, as soon as they won overtime, uh, uh, you know, I'd send him a text and congratulate him. I. Uh, I didn't do it before after game three, only because he's also a Red Sox fan, and both of us remember 1986. So, you know, uh, don't congratulate until it's over. <laughs> I'll jump inside, though. It's like, I mean, I knew the Jets could, could take the Oilers. He just had, like, I remember when they won the first two games, and and then when Edmonton came out strong game three, I'm, I'm like, yeah, no surprise. Uh, uh, Edmonton's way too good to be swept. Lo and behold, that's exactly what happened, right? <laughs> yeah, kind of like they with uh, Columbus a couple of years ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's interesting to see uh, Derek Forber playing top line, top pair of minutes over there. Yeah, top pair of minutes. <laughs> yeah. You see Derek Forbert's playing top pair of minutes in Winnipeg. Alec Martinez playing top pair of minutes in Vegas. Jake Muzzin's playing top pair of minutes in Toronto. Yeah, it's like no, no. Derek maybe Forber, we should have the... kept all these guys together. I don't know. I'm not going to say that. But. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's cool. It's cool to say. It's cool. As a, uh, as uh, but Derek Forbes, especially because Kings drafted in 2010, and I don't think he played to like 2015. Uh, so it's not it was, like, yeah. It's not like yeah um, um, uh, 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 I mean, it could be wrong, but uh, but his time the Kings, I think he was maybe on the top here, maybe once or twice, and that was it. I know he was paired right. with Dowdy for quite some bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Could you imagine if uh, Kings management decided to wait that long with some of the prospects now? I think we'd probably oh, see yes. a riot in L.A. Can you imagine? Our, <laughs> our heads would collectively explode. There you yeah, go. Exactly. Dowdy's head would explode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> going to wait four more years. <laughs> you know, I, I tell you, though, guys, you know, for me, I mean, obviously the Winnipeg-Edmonton was just a complete, you know, surprise. And, yeah. Uh, but I'm going to tell you something. You know what else really surprised me? Was the way Boston just pretty much dismantled Washington? Yeah, Washington. I think yeah. well, Washington. I, I thought the that first game. Be closer. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and to see, and, and I know it's just been kind of beat to death and, and all that, but I mean to see Ovi having that meltdown after Game Four. Yeah. I was screaming at Samsung up, and I know there was like some behind the scenes stuff that went on with that too. But you know what? This could very well be the end of the line for Washington. Because yeah. that, that roster isn't getting any younger, and they really don't have much in the prospect pipeline. So, And they're they're going to be in, in cap trouble because of basically with Baxter's contract, Kuznetsov's contract, yeah. Carlson's contract, and, of course, Obi's got to be resigned now. Yeah, um, I don't know, guys. I, you know, I, I thought maybe the Cavs had one more old guard running them, but, boy, 
what a, what a difference a series makes, huh? Uh, no, no, and don't get me wrong. I don't want to blame Gold any, but like, um, yeah, I remember after the first two games. I know Craig Anderson's older, uh, but he was playing very well. And, and then when Samsonov was available, they, they put him in. I'm like, why? And, <laughs> and you know, uh, 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 no, I'm not saying the goal didn't change. Like, was the reason for the uh, the downfall? But uh, no, no, no. Uh, 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 it seems a bit uh, 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 coincidental that that once they made that change, it was all Boston. Yeah, but you know what though, especially like with that game four. That you know, obviously, it ended the way it did with basically a, a, a mistake. Yeah. But Sodoff was the only reason that re- that game went to double overtime. He was phenomenal. In True. Game. Yeah. Yeah. He had no help he whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be interesting, but it's you know it's going to be even more interesting next season when our Kings are in the playoffs. Yes. Looking forward yeah. to that. Yes. And another podcast can talk about our teams. Yes. So and the <laughs> and the operative word when not if. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So with that said, guys, I think we're going to wrap this episode up. Uh, right now, it looks like uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs are winning four to nothing with the game about to end, so they're going to go up three to one. Yep. Uh, so there you go, Ryan. You're going to have some playoff hockey continuing in your hometown. So yes, exactly, absolutely. Yeah. So, anyways, we want to thank Colin Frazier once again for coming on and talking with us. That was a real good time. So for Ryan Sykes, for Ryan Cowley, and for Russell Morgan, I'm Scott Kinville. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Hockey Royalty Podcast.